0: lynn hiles ministries presents dr lynn hiles that you might have life and here's your host dr lynn hiles
1: welcome back to the program again this week thank you so much for joining us in this series it's been an this is the eighth program we filmed on the book of joshua i think it's so powerful the patterns of the scriptures you know we could almost come back and follow that with the book of judges because <laughs> i think if i'm not mistaken that uh, Judges has 12 Judges, and just like there was 12 apostles that execute the judgment of what Christ has already accomplished for us, and each thing that they do as one of those Judges mm-hmm. is kind of like a enforcement of what Jesus paid for in His finished work, but that's a whole nother series. <laughs> But we've been talking about the book of Hebrews, and I've had my son Jeremy on the program, which is, we just have such a great time, as you can see from the program. We get so excited about the word we want to preach, both of us do. And it's always a great honor to have you on. Jeremy pastors a church called Word that frees Winchester, Virginia. They've not been able to meet for some time because of uh, the pandemic has shut their building down. And uh, it's been over a year that they've been able. So he does his online. So you can go to Word That Frees on Facebook and follow them as he does his Sunday gatherings there uh, online. Uh, So it's a great privilege to have you. But Jeremy's really, you know, one of the books that he really has developed is the book of Joshua. Because it's about the transition out of law to grace. Hmm. Moses, my servant is dead. Moses, the law. Rise now Joshua is going to lead you in. Yeshua is the Hebrew name Joshua. It is the you know, name of Jesus. And the powerful pictures that are here of this transition, mm-hmm. so powerfully picture the transition that the first century church was in, in their 40-year transition out of Old Covenant into New Covenant. And we've already covered, like I said, a lot of that over the last mm-hmm. eight programs. And so if you're watching now and you've missed any of them, you can go back to our our, uh, YouTube channel and watch any of them. We've archived them there for your convenience. Also, you can listen to the audio portions of it on our uh, podcast. And there is an RSS feed for Android. Just go to my website at linhiles.com, And there's a link in the upper right hand corner for how to go listen to to that again it'll take you directly to that if you sign up for those it's no cost you'll be alerted every time we upload a new program but we are talking about again coming out of egypt and into the promised land and there was a generation that was born in the wilderness yep. who had no point of reference they don't remember the whips and chains of egypt and they've never seen the walled cities and the fruit that Joshua and, them, and we were talking when the camera was not on about how the, the excitement that Joshua and Caleb must have shared and the frustration yeah. as they're trying to explain to these people something that's so far better. I, I feel that way sometimes. I've been pioneering this message yeah. for years and I sometimes feel like Joshua or Caleb where I'm excited about what I see yeah. potentially that we've got, but people have no point of reference and they still lust. For the garlics, the leeks, and the watermelons that are in Egypt, and they have no idea of the milk and honey and the fruit that is in living in the Promised Land. But I'm mm-hmm. telling you, my life has been so much better with an understanding of New Covenant realities. That being said, as well, one of the things that's concerning—I don't know if this is the direction you're going to go with circumcision or not—but this is a thought, at least for me, mm-hmm. that this there was a generation that were born in the wilderness. Mm-hmm. Now, those that came out of Egypt, the Bible said, had been circumcised, but before they could go into the promised land, God told them to circumcise again and then give them a chance to heal up. Mm -hmm. And while I do not believe we are under an old covenant, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. circumcision ritual anymore. I I made a joke when I was in Birmingham, Alabama last week about how how'd you like to be the guy that was three days early for the Jerusalem Council where they decided that you don't have to (laughs) circumcise people anymore? You know, he'd be like, if mm-hmm. I had just knew this three days ago, mm-hmm. I think there's a whole lot of people that are waking up to the new covenant thinking, you know what? Lord, I wish that I knew this. But, you know, mm-hmm. I look mm-hmm. back at my life and think, I wish I would have known this when I was young, like you got mm-hmm. it, you know, because you're just so yep. much further ahead with this generation. But then again, here's the thing that I think is there's a generation that were born not in Egypt. And having come into an understanding of grace, it's like, well, you know, there's no rules, which is mm-hmm. you know true to some degree, but the reality of it is, is that it, it, there is a relationship. And you shared in the past when, how when they came out of Egypt 50 days after the Passover, they're to put them out Sinai, and God gives them the law, the rules mm-hmm. on rocks, I call it. In the New Covenant, 50 days after Jesus, the real lamb is slain. They're in an upper room, and God gives them this time not rules on rocks. He gives them the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit becomes the governor yeah. in our hearts. But I believe that we are at a stage where people have walked in grace and they've tested the waters of freedom. But I believe we're at a season where God wants to circumcise the hearts, yep. where people don't change their behavior and so forth because they have to, or because God's going to judge them, or because there's going to be any kind of repercussions, but because there's been something happened in the heart. Because in the new covenant, it's not circumcision in the flesh. It's a circumcision in the in the heart. And with that, I'm going to let you have them
0: You know, and even like we, you know, I, 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 I've been, I, I you know, I grew up, I've grown up in church traveling. I've, I, I've heard different expressions of Christ. I've seen different moves of God, I guess, different experiences of things. I, I was probably very legalistic when I was younger until God began to transition me into this and showed me some grace. And then. I'm like the, some of those that got a hold of grace. I experienced and tested it and saw, and but there was something always in my heart that was wanting to come back to something. It was I, I, I wanted the real experience of Christ, and so really, what has really kept, what has kept to me my whole life has really been the encounter of the Holy Spirit. And like we talked about uh, the last segment about how it was Jesus saying, you know, it's. This Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you in that upper room on the day of Pentecost, and whatever experience you've had with the Holy Ghost is really Jesus and God taking up their abode, their residence inside of you. And how you know shocking that must have been for Peter and them when the house of Cornelius was, you know. And so really, what I really think is, is, and I really think what's the. Ne- God is getting ready to do. I should. I, I hate to say God's getting ready to do this or that or like He's not doing something already. But for lack of better words, I believe that really there is a a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit that's about to hit this generation, and not like the encounters of the past of Azuzu Street and different things like that. Not that those things were bad, but I think a real uh, uh, just a real fresh experience of the Holy Ghost that's like not the sensationalism but it's the thing that really brings the balance to people you know i i've been through the sensationalism of speaking in tongues and and the miracles and stuff like that but that's not what sustains me on a daily basis yeah. you know that's not what that's not what kept me my one you know my experience of speaking in tongues the day you know i got filled with the holy ghost is not the thing that Makes me go. This this is why I'm going to stay a Christian because I've seen people have that experience and walk away from it. What has kept me having an experience with the Holy Spirit? What has kept me as, as following God is my experience with that Holy Spirit. That's daily. That's the real deal. Just God being like when there's hard times in life, being able to turn to the presence of God and God being able to give me answers in the moment, or just you know, and you know, like even for me, I guess I learned how to be mature a little bit in the things of God, where even it's like, you know, some people long for the prophet to come and kind of prophesy to them. And not that I don't like a good, you know, a good prophecy or some direction sometimes, but sometimes the prophet ain't there to prophesy. But there is still that voice inside of me that gives yeah. me direction. There's still that, that Holy Spirit experience that's on me on a daily basis that knows that's opened the scriptures to me. I remember like, I, You know, I, I grew up, I, I was dyslexic when I was in school, and I had a struggle with school and and, and reading and, and excelling in school. I was not academic. And then I had that experience with the Holy Ghost, and I had that experience with, with the Holy Spirit. And man, even my dyslexia and things changed. And my struggle, like, you know, there's no way with my struggles with academia and my struggles with with, with uh, dyslexia, should I really be teaching people the Word or being able to even read it and understand it in some ways, you know, especially the way that the King James is written. But uh, that experience of the Holy Spirit, man, it opened up my, my eyes to the Word and stuff, where even the Word became ex- understandable to me when I read it and I see things that, you know, that some people don't don't see like I see, but it's really been because of that experience with the Holy Spirit. And I really think when you talk about, you know, the what you know is happening in this generation is we've made the transition from law and grace. We've seen many people that got a hold of grace, and it's just like they went wild and like there was no balance to them. There was no governor inside of them. It's like we're not under the law no more. So it's like you a know, free for all for all. But really, I think what God is wanting to restore to this generation is not a free for all where everything is great and you just got to do what makes you happy. Cause I believe that's really a detriment to the world right now is that yeah, whole mentality. of so. You got to do what makes you happy. Here's the thing. I am a stay at home dad and I didn't even want kids when I was younger.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, but I'm a stay at home dad taking care of my kids. And there, there's nothing in me that wants. it does not make me happy to get up at six and 7am to go change a dirty diaper. There's, that does not make me happy. Yeah. But it makes them happy. Yeah. You know, I would much rather... It, it, what would make me happy is to be able to go and spend money on things I like. But I have found happiness. Daddy love, Daddy, I'm a... I love... I spoil my kids a yeah. little bit. Because I'm blessed and I just bless them. And so much so that we got to we say uh, we you know we 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 can't even we we don't even need presents anymore for Christmas. So you guys have way too much stuff now. You can't even play with it all. But it's because I have a problem. But it's because I found joy in serving someone. In else. serving someone else. I found joy. You know, I my wife went to. Uh, she she started changing her diet and the way she eats. it because she did that. Was doing that, I decided, we're going to do this with you. You're not going to do, you know, you're not going to do this alone. We're going to make trains and we're going to trade. It does not make me happy to not have French fries and greasy hamburgers and everything for for I would lo- that would make me happy. Every meal, right? if I could eat <laughs> greasy French fries and burgers and and you know all those just nacho big pile of nachos, that stuff would make me happy. Now it'd probably kill me in the long run, mm-hmm. but it, that that's what makes me happy. Yeah. But I've found I started I did I do the cooking and so I started cook, finding ways to make vegetables taste good and changing our diet and I wanted it to be not just to support her but I knew I knew I need to make these changes too for a healthier life to live longer yep. to be able to proclaim the, the same thing proclaim the gospel longer and I wanted to give my kids also I started making them eat what we're eating because I want to change their mindset that they don't ever have to have the struggle we had yeah. And so it's just transitioning, but it made, it didn't make me happy to transition to vegetables because I, vegetables have always been the thing you eat first just to get rid of because you have to eat the vegetables. But I want to eat, I'm going to get seconds and thirds of the French fries, yeah. you know, but in making this transition and learning how to do it, I did it because it made me happy to, to support her and to love on my wife. But then it started transitioning where I began to change my mind about the vegetables and eating them and enjoying them. And so but the whole do it makes you happy. If I did what make me happy and eating the French fries and eating the nachos and eating the greasy burgers every day, eventually it's not going to make me happy. Exactly. It's going to make me sick. Yeah. And that's what the whole mentality even of people that's like, you got to do it makes you happy. It makes you happy at first, but later on it's going to make you sick. Yeah. And it's going to make you miserable, and you're going yep. to find that's not where the happiness lies. And you're yep. still haven't found the happiness you're looking for. And you're on to the next one. Well, maybe that'll make me happy. Maybe that'll make me happy. But you never find the thing that makes you happy. You're always it's always the next thing because we find happiness in serving others. But here's the but again back to the whole I, I got on a, on a tangent there. Uh, but when we talk about you know the Holy Spirit in that move is that people live in grace. And they started doing everything that makes them happy, because they found out I'm not under the law, so it's you know, God's still going to love me, God's not mad at me." And all that stuff was true. but we have a lot of people in grace that still ain't happy., yep. they still haven't found what makes them happy because yep. they haven't found the governing of the Holy Spirit, the the God taking up his abode inside of us and realizing just how the law never made me holy. Yeah it, it was I can never be holy enough under the law for God to want to take up residence inside of me. Matter of fact, I would always find something condemned and broken. Yeah. But when the grace of God came, I found that God didn't see me condemned and He took He was, He was wanted to come and live inside of me. But what has really sustained me in life and made me really just want to follow after God and have a heart and passion for the things of God, for living a godly life, for, for having some honor, for having some integrity in life, is because the abode... The presence of God taking up its abode inside of me and realizing just how holy he has made me. And because that's what became my faith is that he, God has made me holy. I'm righteous. I'm just as righteous and perfect as Christ. Then that became my faith. It changed my mind. And I began to live that way. Yep. See, when I was under the law, law came, sin revived, and I died because I believed I was a sinner. Yep. Then I started believing, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And so I was st- under grace, still living as a sinner because I believe I'm just a sinner to live by great, saved by grace. But I didn't realize that I am the righteousness of God in Christ and that when the Holy Spirit began to teach me, you are the righteousness of God in Christ, you are as perfect as Christ. Yep. I, it did, at first, I didn't believe it. But the more the Word came, faith became, came by hearing and hearing by the Word of the Lord. And when I started having faith from what I was hearing, then I started living according to the faith that I was yep. hearing. I started living righteous. I started living holy, not because I had word. I, 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 somebody was telling me the rules of how to live as a Christian. I started living as a Christian because I believed that's what I was. I started living like a son of God because I started believing I was a son of God. I was. I started living like the temple of God because I started believing that He'd taken up His abode inside of me and that I was I was the temple of God. No, you not. You are the temple of God. I started living like that because faith came by hearing something that wasn't just law. And here's the rules. And if you can do this, if you pay these ties, you do this. You go this many church services. Uh, somebody was talking. You know, there was something on Facebook that you could have. You know, like how many things have you done as a Christian? Here's the amount of money you could have. And one of them was like, have you been to three services in one day? And I was like, worth twenty dollars. And I was like, dude, I've been to three services in a day many times, and it's worth way more than twenty yeah. dollars. I had. In other words, I have lived according to that way of life. And I did it, you know, and when it was all just laws and what you thought you had to do to get God's approval, it was miserable. Yep. Because half those services that we sat under had no, it wasn't the love of God being preached. There was no grace in it. There was no Life uh, life at all. And so you sat there miserable hearing something that was not the gospel, but you did it because you thought that's what's going to get me a better place in heaven. But then when grace began to come upon me and I began to receive grace, I entered into this promised land. Yep cross that Jordan into this promised land. Again, because these children of Israel, we talked about this, these children of Israel had all they had known, That entered the ones that had entered into the promised land, crossed this Jordan. They had never lived in Egypt. They didn't cross the Red Sea. They were a generation born in this wilderness. All they knew was a tent. All they knew was the manna that would fall from heaven and gathering the amount of manna that was just for that day and all the rituals, and, and you know the the things they would do in observance to the temple, and they would hear stories of Joshua. They probably heard stories from their parents that were a dying generation. It's a boy. When we lived back there, we had when we lived in Egypt. Boy, we had leeks and garlics. Oh, if you could just taste those. And they had graves back there. We didn't just leave people lying in the wilderness. They had graves that they would bury us in. And well, it was so great. But then they hear joshua and Caleb, but that's a dying generation and they they probably looked at that like i look at some of these this old school religion and go that sounds miserable yeah that sounds horrible that doesn't miserable. that's not life yeah you know and then you hear you would hear joshua you'd have to hear joshua and caleb and they talk about man, the place god's wanting to take us is a land flow we've seen it it's a land flowing with milk and honey man there are grapes the size of basketballs, there are giant houses in this land there's you, you there are rivers of milk and honey that flow through it that you just dip your hand in and you're able to drink of milk and honey and they go, like, well, that sounds good, but i 've never tasted milk and honey. I never tasted uh, i don't know what a house is Not you know really maybe tasty. i've yeah. passed maybe they passed by some on their journey or or whatever, but they never lived in one they don't know what that's like. Yep. I just know my tent and just little thing that I got to pack up and move all the time and it 's a whole and I think there's a generation that is alive right now that, they've, that they don't know. It's like it's like almost confusing to them because they hear the old time religion. And that sounds miserable. It doesn't sound appealing. And I know I don't want to go back there. And it seems like that's dying off anyway. But then they hear people like us that are talking and saying, you know, God really wants to give you houses you did not build, vineyards, giant houses you did not build, vineyards, You did not plan. He wants to give you the good life. He wants to pour out His blessings upon you. He wants to take up His abode inside of you. He wants to make you as holy and righteous as He is. He's not wanting you to have to go try to find what's going to make you happy. He wants to fill you with His joy, with His peace, with His righteousness, so that you begin to have the kingdom available to you 24-7. And that sounds great, but how I've never experienced that. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that tastes like. I don't know that experience. And so it just sounds mythological, but yet there is a power of the Holy Spirit, I believe, that is that is coming upon a generation right now, and which is going to open their eyes to see, oh, this is the good life. When you talk about these children of Israel who had never experienced that lived in tents, they crossed this Jordan. And the first experience they have with the promised land is probably a little bit of a horrible one. Because the first thing Joshua's gonna do when they get across that Jordan to circumcise them, they come to a place called the Hill of Foreskin. And I don't think it got its name before this day. Yeah. You know, because he's going to circumcise them again, because this whole generation has never been circumcised, living in the wilderness. Yeah. But he brings them across and their first experience might be that this is a little bit horrible, but really it's a picture of the circumcision of the heart in the new covenant that you know, it's when I remember to
1: give up the past a little you know, bit. Yeah,
0: I remember, I remember, you know, my experience with Christ and getting and saved. You know, you're sitting at an altar and you're crying. You don't even know why you're crying, or you're, you're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't even control your. I was, I got to stammer in lips before I spoke in tongues. And I remember sitting in an altar going, blah, 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 blah and I couldn't stop it. And I was trying to tell somebody, I don't know what's happened to me, but I couldn't do, I couldn't form the words. I couldn't say anything. All I know is that something was happening to me that was different, and it was an experience, and I didn't know how to explain it to somebody, and I didn't know how to stop stammering lips enough to tell somebody, something's happening over here. I just had this experience with, I'm having this experience with God, and I couldn't tell nobody after it was all done. And then my aunt says, "Well, that was the Holy Spirit. You should have told us. I couldn't tell you. My lips wouldn't stop stammering. <laughs> you know." And I think that that you know, and but that was my that was my real encounter. That was when I started tasting of this promised land of this milk and honey. And I was like, "This is good." And that's what happened to these guys. Their 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 first experience is this this, this circumcision. It's but it's a sharp knife. It says that he sharpened knives. Yeah. And the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword is able to cut asunder. And so I, when I think about Him sharpening these knives to begin circumcision, it's really a picture, again, of the Word of God just coming and cutting it off quick. And it's almost painless. It's almost, And as they are sitting there, healing, and God just restoring them and healing them in this promised land, for the first time, they take of the old corn of this land, and they taste something that's different. Yeah. And it's the old corn. It isn't even the best. It's not even the the milk and honey. It's not even the good stuff yet. It's just the old corn of the land that they taste. And there's something that's different. that almost, And then it says in that day, the manna ceased, the thing that they had always ate, the thing that it was just, you know, day in, day, that's your meal. That's what you have in the morning, evening, afternoon, have the same thing the next day. And yes, the scripture says it tasted like Krispy Kreme donuts, like you said, but after a while you get tired of Krispy Kreme donuts and you want something to taste a little yep. bit different. Yep. They tasted this old corn of the land and all of a sudden they're like, this is, this is what he was talking about. This is the land that's flowing with milk and honey. This is the land. This is the good land he's bringing us into. And we're sitting here along this Jordan across. We're not, we're not living in this wilderness anymore. We're in this new land that's lush and beautiful. And there's just this, there's just corn available on the, on the ground. And we're able just to gather up and eat of this old corn and their eyes become open to something. But what's funny is also when they crossed that Jordan, they said the kings of that place that knew their time was about up had witnessed it all. And I so said, when they saw the Jordan, rolled back and the children of Israel crossed that Jordan and said their hearts melted inside of them and no more was there any more fear to fight. But what's funny is it says, the scripture also says that the, when they crossed that Jordan, that all the men of war that were born in Egypt, they had died in the wilderness. These were not men of war that entered into this promised land. Because this isn't about might nor power, but it's by the Spirit. Yeah. So the encounter of the Spirit that they had in that circumcision, when I think about the circumcision, I think about the the, the encounter of the Holy Spirit. They had this encounter, and they're able to rest. They didn't go to war. The kings, their hearts have already melted. That that time would have been strategic for those kings to go down there while they're recovering from circumcision to go into war. But their hearts of battle, they was not fighting this by might nor power. They were entering rest, and God was fighting their battles for them. And that's what's happening as we begin to really make this transition from law to grace and having a new encounter with the Holy Spirit is that where we used to go in and we're going to fight, we're going to go back into the enemy's camp, we're going to take what they stole from us, we're going to go walk down to school and we're going to march around their, their walls several times. This isn't about fighting. It's about an encounter with the Holy Spirit that you can just rest and begin just to take from the old corn. and go, man, I'm going to taste and see that the Lord is good.
1: Yeah, and you know, I, I think sometimes I, I've said this many times, and even the circumcision of the heart that God wants to do in people's lives, even as it relates to the things in our lives that are, are like you said, you know, that maybe are not godly things. Yes. Yeah. While God, you know, loves you regardless, the thing of it is, I've said it like this: sin is an issue; it's still important with God, mm-hmm. but not because of what it does to Him. It's because of what it does to you. Yep. It takes your life, and like you said about the eating the French fries constantly. You can have the French fries, but there's somewhere that it catches up to you. And I mm-hmm. think that's what's happening. People start to reap what they sow, and then it's not God judging them, it's just mm-hmm. that their own sin reproves them. So it's not an ma- issue of what you know is, makes God angry, it's an issue of what's taken your life. Because mm-hmm. Jesus said, I come that you might have life. And
0: have it in abundance.
1: Not just a ticket to heaven, or a get out of hell free card, because the gospel's not just about how I get from here to there, it's about how I get what's happening there, top right here, it's about living in houses you didn't build, yep. eating from vineyards you did not plant. And I can't help but think, but even uh, Hebrews 4, where it talks about entering into rest, he says, for the word of God is quick, it's the sharp knife. Mm-hmm. It's powerful, but it divides asunder between soul and spirit. It's a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. It is, and the context there of that uh, sword that's two-edged is you know, labor to enter into rest. And the only labor of the new covenant is found in John's gospel, where he says, you know, here is the work of God that you believe. So the labor or the the work is to believe. Mm -hmm. And when you start to believe, then that word that flows, the context there is, it's the word that flows from rest. So the word that flows from the new covenant, from the rest of the finished work of Jesus Christ, will reveal what's in your heart. That's why people tested the waters of freedom once they heard the message of grace, is because there's still some things in their heart that needed to be dealt with. But he Mm doesn't leave them there in that. He says that once what's in your heart is revealed, you can come boldly to a throne of grace, not a throne of judgment, but a throne of grace that you can find grace to help and a faithful high priest that can be touched with the feelings of your infirmities and is able to secure you through the temptation to bring about the abundant life that you're looking for right here and right now. And that's really the key is it's about bringing you into living in this promised land. These have been some incredible uh conversations i trust you've enjoyed them and it's been a great honor to have you on yeah. jeremy uh uh you know if you've missed any of these once again you can go back to our youtube channel or our our podcast and listen to them again but uh, if you'd like to help support this kind of a message as we take the gospel around the world please take a moment to scan that little code that's on the screen or uh, go to the website at lynhouse.com and there's a link there where you can give via credit card or debit card or paypal and you could even set up a monthly debit there if you'd like to become a partner. All of our books and products are there also on our website, and you can go through and see what they're and our itinerary, what will be. Also, if you'd like to give via a check or money order, you can write to the address on the screen, write your check to Lynn House Ministries, or you can call the number on the screen and someone will take your call. If you don't get an answer, leave a message. We'll return your call and uh, it would be a blessing. God bless you. Thank you.